0: Listening to Best Served Cold, a Bore Millennials Podcast. The Australian True Crime Podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime.
1: Formerly Egypt's 36th most popular true crime podcast, hosted by Tama Jay and Laura Lees.
0: Sit down, relax, grab a drink, and enjoy this week's episode.
1: Hello.
0: Hello, hello, hello. It's that time of the week again. It's your favorite people.
1: Yeah. It's your boy and your and your girl. <laughs>
0: It's your boy. It's your boy. Tama J. <laughs> What's
1: poppin', yo Twitter fam? What's going on?
0: But welcome back to another episode of Best of Cold, the True Crime Podcast, where we drink wine and talk about crime. I'm one of your amazing co hosts, Laura Elise, and I am the ghost of Christmas past.
1: Great. And I'm Tama in pajamas running down the stairs.
0: Ooh. You couldn't have gone for something that rhymed with pajamas more, like I am Tanama. In You're criticizing my
1: fucking name.
0: No, I'm criticizing your attempt to turn Tama into banana.
1: Tama and pajama rhyme. What is? How do they not rhyme?
0: It doesn't really. Okay,
1: sure. Well, anyway, the pajamas have. It's a hint to my story this week.
0: Oh, there Hence. you go. Mine is not a hint to my story right. this week. That's what I'm right. not I'm talking about.
1: That. Ghost for so. Christmas. Great. I don't know what the relevance that has with (laughs) the show then, but anyway, cool. welcome to the show. Um, We talk about crime and we do other things, but we mostly talk (laughs) about crime.
0: Uh, If you are new around here, just a fair disclaimer at the start, we do swear quite a bit in this show. So if you are someone with sensitive ears who doesn't like the swears, it's probably time to fuck off.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sorry, we are not going to censor ourselves or even try to remove... Look, we've started vocabulary. putting
0: in warnings. We never used to do that. Like literally, you've been warned. You've literally been literally warned. been warned.
1: so fuck off if you want to star reviews. <laughs> um, big shout out to everyone who has given us five star reviews. I've seen many nice reviews um, from all of you guys listening and giving us reviews, and it's very heartwarming to see it, especially during the time where we kind of took a bit of time off. Yeah. Um, so you guys giving us support, just looking after our own mental health. And, um, if you
0: haven't left us a review yet, yeah, now is go the do perfect that. time. So
1: thank you to everyone who has already.
0: We're probably just going to like jump straight into it this week. I will just quickly say some quick housekeeping. If yep. you do want to follow us on social media, you can find us at the BSC podcast. Do you have Great. anything else to add at this
1: time? I don't have anything else to add, so we'll just jump right into it. Uh, and I think I am going first. Like
0: hell you are! It's my turn to go it's first. It's
1: your turn. Okay, no worries. That's fine. Try and steal. I was not story? trying to steal anything. How just dare you? Was not sure.
0: <clears throat> so for this week's episode, I'm and I'm really sorry, guys, because I'm on a bit of a roll with the uh, unsolved ones. Or uh, well, technically, this one has been solved, but it's a uh, up for debate. It's not very that's satisfying. Just, it's not very satisfying. Well,
1: that's great because so is mine.
0: <laughs> oh, so um. We're just um we're gonna be edging you again this week, sorry guys.
1: We know how you guys like to being edged.
0: Yeah. No judgment. No judgment.
1: No, it's, everyone's got their own thing.
0: So I'm gonna be going back I haven't done an older one, like older, older one. How old? Uh early nineteen hundreds. <sighs> have we done it again? I have think we have. unintentionally matched? Yeah. We do this all the time. <laughs> yeah. So technically this one has been officially ruled as an accidental death slash accidental suicide, but I still think the case kind of has enough oddities that it warrants a few raised eyebrows. So we're going to be talking about, or I'm rather going to be talking about the death of the actress Thelma Todd, which was a very, very big case back in the 1930s because she was very famous um, a lot of people don't know her now because she was very prevalent in like silent films and what they called the talkies right. back when. So a lot of her the things that she appeared in, you you can't re- like it's not streaming on Netflix yeah, put it that way.
1: Yeah, and they're the sort of a product of the time that don't necessarily hold as much as current. She was movies? kind of
0: a pioneer for that real slapstick comedy um gotcha. that became very very popular like um Lucille Ball like that sort of stuff. Ah, so she was sort okay. of like a bit of a trailblazer for that kind of cool. Uh comedy especially for women. Mm. Uh but yeah, as I just think because of the nature of how old a lot of her major works are, yeah, it's not it's just it's not something it you can really find. Yeah. So Thelma was born in Massachusetts in 1906, and she led a fairly normal life to begin with. Initially, after she graduated high school, she enrolled enrolled in a finishing school meant for people who wanted to be teachers. But her mother encouraged and pushed her to do the pageant circle due to her stunning beauty, and it was after winning several large titles she was discovered by talent scouts from Hollywood. So she was encouraged to enrol in the Paramount School for Juniors, which, surprise, surprise, was run by Paramount Studios. Of course. And she pretty quickly became a hit on the screen, getting her start in silent films and eventually moving on to what they called the talkies. She began appearing in mainly supporting acts that did little to show off her actual acting abilities with many of her first roles actually being completely uncredited but she was soon beginning to appear alongside huge, huge comedy stars In and in 1931 she was cast in her own series of slapstick comedy shorts. So after, after the... I can't speak tonight, I'm really sorry, guys. That's go. Okay. After the success of these shorts, she began starring in feature-length films and began to be known as a very highly regarded comedic and dramatic actress. As her career began to take off, Todd also opened a sort of cafe-slash-restaurant, which she dubbed Thelma Todd's Sidewalk Cafe, and it was along a popular highway in L.A., and it was usually frequented by other celebrities as well as more sort of well-to-do tourists. It was a very popular tourist spot. And it's this same cafe that would sort of become one of the larger pieces of the puzzle behind Todd's death. So on the morning of Monday, December 16th, 1935, Thelma Todd was found dead in her car by one of the women who'd worked in her home for many years, May Whitehead. The car was inside the garage and Todd was found slumped over the front in the front seat with blood around her nose. Her death is very quickly ruled as um, accidental by way of carbon monoxide poisoning from the fumes of the car that had filled up the garage. Hmm. But obviously due to Todd's career and how well-known she was, as well as some of the people who were sort of in her orbit, a lot of people weren't very happy with this kind of seemingly straightforward answer. Yeah,
1: she was a high-profile target.
0: Yes. And to clarify, no one is questioning the actual carbon monoxide part. That is kind of proven fact- with, like, blood tests and autopsy. Mm. She definitely died of carbon monoxide poisoning. What is under a pretty heated discussion is whether it was accidental, suicide, or homicide. Those are sort of the three main prevalent theories. Okay. So let's sort of get into why. So to understand a huge part of why people constantly kind of question the accidental death theory, you have to kind of understand the makeup of the area where Todd lived and where the cafe was as well as where her friend, manager, lover, Roland West lived. So the whole setup is on the side of a relatively steep hill with kind of three, so there's kind of three segments to it. There's the road at the bottom of the hill where people would drive along the road and pull into the actual cafe. There's another little kind of like half road halfway up the hill and then there's a top road at the top of the hill. So Thelma's cafe and her apartment are set very closely together at the bottom of the hill. So she essentially, she doesn't live in the cafe, but it's kind of like an adjoined Mm -hmm. one big building. She has this beautiful home that's attached to her cafe. And then there's this really set of really steep stairs that some articles I read said there were like 60-something stairs and then some articles I read said there were 200-something stairs. But going off the picture's, I'm going to go with the 200 and something because it looks like a really fucking big hill. Yeah. So you walk up these stairs all the way up to the top of the hill where you hit the other road and then you walk about a 1,000 feet to your right and you get to the home of Roland West. So he was uh, Todd's business partner and occasional lover as well as he was also prevalent in the Hollywood scene. But to make matters slightly more complicated Roland West was married, Todd would often stay at his house and kept her car in his garage, which is where her body is found. Sneaky. So her apartment is right at the bottom of the hill, his apartment and the garage is right at the top of the hill. So it's a bit of a trek. Yeah. So essentially what would happen is Todd would leave her car in the garage and her um, housemaid, May, would go up and pick it pick it up for her every morning and then drive it down to Todd's apartment so she could use it for the day. Um, So the evening before her death, Thelma Todd attends a party at the Trocadero, I could be pronouncing that wrong, it's a very fancy club in L.A., hosted by a man called Stan Lupino. So Thelma Todd was actually the guest of honour at this party and most sources say that she was having a great time, she was drinking, she was partying, but like nothing really seemed excessive amiss.
1: Yeah,
0: um, Some sources did say that she potentially had or she definitely had an encounter with her ex-husband, but sources are kind of split on whether that encounter was just like some people just said, oh, they said hello in passing and then other people said they had a big fight and she was really unhappy. Right. So despite the fact that they weren't officially together, Roland West had a habit of kind of bossing her around and despite not going to the party himself, had told her to be home by 2 a.m., So at the party, Todd finds her manager, Sid, and she tells him to call Roland at around 1.50 a.m. in the morning on the Sunday to let him know that she'd be home soon. But she doesn't end up wind, wind up leaving the party until around quarter past three. So the purpose of the call was Roland had allegedly this had happened before and he'd locked her out of the apartment as kind of like punishment for her getting past her curfew. Like he'd get pissed off and he'd be like, well, you said you're going to be home at 2 and it's 2.05, so I'm going Mm. to like lock you out of your own house.
1: Good old-fashioned gender roles of the early 1900s. so they
0: were partners in this cafe. So he would sort of like lock up the cafe so she couldn't get into her house. And this had apparently happened previously. So her driver drops her off outside her apartment at around 3.45 a.m., so well past her 2 a.m. curfew that she'd been given. And he has said that he noted it was odd because normally he would sort of pull up to the cafe and walk her to the front door. And this night she said, no, it's fine, don't worry, I can walk myself. So he drops her off outside and that's the last sort of confirmed time that anyone saw Thelma Todd alive. So initially the sort of accepted story was that, Roland West had locked Thelma Todd out of her apartment as per his threats. So to keep warm, she climbs this enormous hill to the garage where she gets in her car, turns on the engine to try and stay warm because it was December in the States. That's their winter. Mm -hmm. So even in California, I mean, it would
1: would presumably
0: get cold. You're outside as well. She's been to a party. She's not like wearing winter trekking gear. She's wearing like a sequined party frock. Mm -hmm. So a lot of uh, the story was that she got in the car, turned it on to try and stay warm, and then she had a bit of drink so didn't realise that the garage is slowly filling up with poisonous gas. She falls asleep and dies. When Todd's body was found, she was wearing the same dress and shoes that she had been at the party. She was neat, clean and tidy with her hair sort of perfectly styled as it was and her purse was sitting on the seat next to her in the car. So when May found her, the ignition of the car was still on, but the engine had switched off despite the fact that there was still plenty of gas in the tank, which some articles said was odd. Some other articles said that was just how cars were made at the time if you didn't kind of keep. Things turning over, the engine okay. would just stop.
1: That makes sense, I guess. If anyone knows
0: anything about cars, feel free to interject. Oh,
1: 1930s cars as well. 1930s cars. Yeah. I can't
0: say that I wanted to do much research into the engine makes of cars in the 1930s. So,
1: so you guys do it.
0: You guys do it for <laughs> me. So the death is very quickly ruled an accident with the official autopsy report stating that Todd had died early Sunday morning with her body remaining in the vehicle until its discovery by May on Monday. Holes pretty quickly show in this story. For starters, Todd's body, and again, this is a a contested fact, is found with a broken nose and bruises around her neck, as well as cuts on her lip, despite the fact that there was no signs of violence at the scene.
1: Okay, well, then, yeah.
0: That's going off witness reports but none of that information kind of seems to be in the official autopsy report.
1: So this is sus.
0: So that's like a contested fact where people are like, oh, we saw her body and she had a broken nose and bruises around her neck, but the coroner was like, no, she didn't. So it's kind of like a weird contested thing. That's really weird. So the official autopsy says that Todd was found with lethal levels of carbon monoxide in her blood as well as enough alcohol to have, quote, left her stupefied, despite the fact that most of the people at the party reported Todd had been drinking but had not been overly drunk. The story is further muddied by the fact that in the purse next to her was a set of keys to her apartment meaning the story that she'd hiked up around 270 stairs to the garage in order to stay warm seemed a little odd when she had keys to her apartment the entire time.
1: Yeah, even if she, was, she left the keys in the car or something like that and she went to the car to get her keys. And
0: put them in a purse or something. Yeah, still like still
1: she has the keys.
0: Weird. Story is also further complicated when multiple people come forward saying that they were certain that they'd seen Todd on the Sunday day at the time when she was supposedly dead in her car. So one socialite had said she'd spoken to Todd that day, this the Sunday. So she leaves the party early Sunday morning, like 2 a.m. in the morning. People are saying they saw her Sunday, like daytime right. Sunday. So one socialite had said that she specifically remembers speaking to Todd because there was a, another party that evening that she'd confirmed her invitation to. Roland's, uh, Roland West's wife also stated that she'd seen Thelma in a car with another man Sunday evening, and multiple other sources also stated that they'd seen her around town during the day. On another odd note, the autopsy report showed that shortly before her de- death, Todd had consumed peas and carrots, both of which were found in her stomach, but after checking the menu at the party, there had been neither of the vegetables anywhere on the menu. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Another fact that many point to ruling out that an accident or a suicide weren't really possible was the fact that Thelma Todd was a huge car fan. She was a wealthy actress and she loved cars and she wasn't an idiot when it came to cars. Coupled with the fact that at the time of her death, there was actually a huge push in the media to outline the dangers of carbon monoxide poisoning as it was a very common thing at the time. People wouldn't realise and would leave their cars running and die of carbon monoxide. So it was all over the media, don't leave your car running in an enclosed space, you will die. So a lot of people point out the fact that even if she had been drunk, it's highly unlikely that she would have been stupid enough to leave a car running in an enclosed space with the knowledge that she had.
1: Yeah, because even when you're drunk and you, like, simple things like that, if it's second nature to you, if cars are, like, your hobby...
0: You have to be pretty drunk to also not realise that the keys to your apartment are in your purse.
1: Yeah, that's like... It's like I said, second nature. Yeah. How do you forget that?
0: The other fact that a lot of people like to point to, because as is kind of common in those times, like there wasn't a lot of police procedure. So there are actually really readily available photos of her dead in the car on the internet. A lot of people, it's not like gruesome. She just looks like she's asleep. Right. Um, But a lot of people want to point out how impeccably put together she is when her body's found. So many had noted that the night she allegedly died was incredibly windy and the ground was uneven and unpaved from the cafe up the stairs to the garage and yet todd had perfect hair and barely a speck of dirt on her shoes or dress another police officer even went as far as to recreate the walk that she would have had to do in similar shoes to show just how scuffed and dirty the shoes would have been had todd actually walked up the 200 and something stairs that's a
1: very good point
0: Roland West himself had said that he thought it was odd that Todd didn't try and signal him as she'd done in the past. It was someone reporting that when this had occurred previously, she'd actually just thrown a brick through one of his windows to get his attention, to be like, dick, let me in. That's
1: one way to do it.
0: So he was quoted as saying that he thought it was odd that she had just gone to the garage and decided to sleep in the car and hadn't tried to really get his attention. So regarding the suicide theory, while we know it's not necessarily a solid indication of someone's kind of mental health space, all of Thelma's friends reported that she was in great spirits. Her career was on the up. She'd been heard talking about a mysterious new man in her life who lived in San Francisco that she was really into, as well as inside the very car she was found deceased in, the boot was full to the brim with wrapped Christmas gifts for friends and family, which is an odd thing to have bothered to do. Yeah. If you're not planning to be around for Christmas, because
1: there is the idea of like, well, was it spontaneous? Mm. Maybe, yeah. That is a, that, but that is an interesting factor.
0: Mm. Now, Roland West himself is a rather interesting character. So obviously, his relationship with Thelma is odd, given that he is at the time married. But you know, that's
1: it's not kind of well, it's
0: not really uncommon in Hollywood either, yeah. from what you hear. Uh, But he's obviously got a very close relationship with Thelma. So even though his wife had confirmed his alibi that he had in fact locked up the cafe and then gone home and gone back to sleep, a lot of people don't believe this. A lot of people in their inner circle said that he was jealous of the other men in Thelma's life who she had relationships with, as well as the fact that her career had continued to grow while his had kind of faltered and plateaued at this stage. In fact, Hal Roach, who had worked closely with Thelma throughout her career and managed her work, did an interview around 50 years after her death where he has explicitly stated that Roland West was involved and he was told such by LAPD. Mind you, at this stage, everyone else involved in this story bar him is dead. So
1: it's hard if there to. was ever
0: going to be a time for him to be like, I'm just going to make some yeah. shit up. There's no one to refute it. Fifty
1: years after the fact as well.
0: Yeah. So Hal Roach told the interviewer that after Thelma's death, LA police had told him that after intense questioning, Roland had confessed. Roland had stated that after she'd come home from the party, they had gotten in a fight and she'd kind of gone, fuck you, I'm leaving for another party. And after she'd gotten in the car and attempted to leave, he had closed and locked the garage door shut with her inside, kind of thinking, hi, or teacher a lesson however when he returned the following morning he was like oh shit she died mm. and so he just closed the door again and just went yeah. i'm just gonna pretend like nothing happened like
1: why would she stay in the car then you know, what I what I mean? know. like that's that's a bit silly
0: so another theory around her death is the involvement of a notorious mobster, uh, Lucky Luciano. Ah, lucky. So it was said that they were in a rather violent on-again, off-again relationship. Lucky was looking to get into the gambling business and had propositioned Thelma to install a small casino above her cafe to which she refused, stating over my dead body, which some witnesses say to this. He responded with, that can be arranged. But a lot of people have pointed out that whilst he was a kind of violent mobster he also had a known reputation of not wanting to murder high profile people in fact there's a reported case where someone had come and asked you know his crew to put a hit on a member of the DA and he was like we don't yeah. we don't do that cuz they'll know it's us and we'll get in trouble so it kind of begs the question why he would murder one of the most high-profile actresses yeah, of that time. it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't super-duper add up.
1: When you could just buy her out or extort her many other different we'll ways. Or put a casino
0: literally anywhere else.
1: Yeah. There's absolutely no reason to do that.
0: Um, but there are a lot of um, other little interesting tidbits um, that I won't get into, but if you are interested... Um, there's reddit always they're unsolved mysteries just go on reddit yeah reddit thread has lots of they cool have everything cool little things but yeah it is one of those things that's just been technically solved but never really solved yeah and it's, it's still not to a satisfactory ending kind of question it a lot of people also point out that she had multiple known stalkers like police had had to arrest people Uh, People had been trying to extort her, sending her threatening letters and saying, if you don't give me 10 grand, I'm going to kill you, all Mm. that sort of stuff. Um, And I guess an interesting quote that I found from the Chicago Tribune when this all kind of happened while a grand jury ruled that Todd committed suicide, it was unable to explain her broken nose, the bruises around her throat, and two cracked ribs. Apparently, the grand jury thought Todd also beat herself to death.
1: <laughs> of course. Because that's how it works. You can break your own ribs. As a- yeah,
0: it's just... But it's all... So many of the weird things about the case are kind of like he said, she said. So it's... Yeah. It's very interesting because a bunch of people said that they saw bruises and then the coroner was like, no, you didn't.
1: Mm. Though there have been cases of coroners, especially during this time, severely fucking up.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, there are
1: many cases. 100%. Like, um, so in the photos online, can you actually see any signs of trauma or anything like that? Like-
0: um. So most of the uh photos available online kind of show it's really just her like slumped over in the front of the car. Yeah, okay so you can't really see a whole or lot or her face. Mm. It's just kind of yeah, she's just sort of like slumped over the, the steering yeah wheel. okay
1: so it'd be very hard to sort of disassaint like yeah well what, what exactly happened or whether you can quench that theory.
0: Yeah, but it um it's a very interesting case. Um, I always find those ones where it's kind of super high profile, really interesting because I think a lot of the time you, you kind of put these people up on a pedestal yeah. and think things like that don't ever happen because they are so well-known. They've always got eyes on them. But then you have these weird things that kind of slip through the cracks. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of those over the years that have happened where you're like, this person just seemingly vanished or this person mysteriously died and there's Mm. no real reason or, like, theory that holds weight.
0: Yeah, but that is the story of Thelma Todd.
1: Great. Well, thank you very much, Flora. We are going to take a quick little break right now. We're going to go to our bathrooms and get our little refreshing of of our drinks and such, and we'll come back afterwards. (music) Welcome back, we hope you enjoyed your 15 second break from hearing our beautiful voices Uh, Thank you Laura for your case, it was very intriguing and dissatisfying And I'm afraid I'm going to have to dissatisfy you guys even further So my case this week is all about this mystery in Australia again, we're going back to our home country about the mystery of Pajama Girl. Oh, It's a very fascinating story and it has a conclusion that is debated and also just so bizarre. So with this case of the Pajama Girl, we actually start the story with a woman named Linda Agostini. She was born Florence Linda Platt in Forest Hill, a suburb of southeast London on the 12th of September 1905. Eventually, she moved to New Zealand in 1926 when she was 19 years old, and a year later, she moved to Sydney, Australia. Supposedly, her initial move came as a result of a relationship ending poorly, and subsequent things that she did throughout her life seemed to result from such. Okay. So she seemingly had relationships that tended to end poorly. While she was living in Sydney, she worked in a cinema and was living in a boarding house in King's Cross, which, fun fact for all you guys listening, we live in the city of Sydney. That's not too far from us. Just yeah, little tidbit. Uh, apparently, she was fond of jazz parties and would often drink heavily, which plays into much later into the story. Eventually, Linda met and married a man named An- Antonio Agostini. Agostini was born on the 20th of May, 1903 in... Artevole Trevisio, Italy. He moved to Australia in 1927 and worked as a waiter in a restaurant called Romano's. Antonio and Linda were married in a Sydney registry office during 1930. Unfortunately, soon after their marriage, their relationship would soon turn sour. So, according to people that knew them, friends and family, the couple were a very attractive and popular, friendly couple. However, behind closed doors, um, it was a bit of a different story. Linda would sometimes leave him for long periods of time and more often than not would return back drunk. Her behavior and excessive drinking resulted in Antonio being shamed by his Italian community and this led to even more friction growing between the two. So in 1933, the couple moved to Carlton, Melbourne where he, Antonio worked on the newspaper newspaper Il Dionale Italiano and Linda took up a job at Ferrari's uh, hairdressing salon in the Manchester Unity building. Now, this is where we get to the Pajama Girl mystery. A year after their move to Melbourne, the mysterious case of the Pajama Girl was circulating everywhere. The unidentified remains of a woman were found in Splinters Creek on Howlong Road near Albury, which sits in the middle of Victoria and New South Wales. It's right over the border. Mm-hmm. of Victoria um, into New South Wales. So the body had been severely burnt and a Hessian bag was slightly concealing her. Her head was wrapped in a towel and later x-rays would find that she had actually been beaten and they found a bullet lodged into her neck. Ooh. When she was found, she was wearing a yellow silk pajama set with a Chinese dragon design. She was found by a local man named Tom Griffin, who found her body dumped in a culvert running underneath the road, uh, the road, with a strong, lingering smell of kerosene. Her body would have been completely hidden to anyone driving by. This is like on a just a general road. The only way that Griffith was able to actually spot her was he was leading a prize bull that he owned alongside the road. Hmm. So he was on a actually walking Walking next to the road, he could actually see it in the culvert. Uh, Police determined that the determined age and the general description of the woman. However, they couldn't get any further into finding out her identity. Thus, she was dubbed the titular pyjama girl. And this mystery lasted for quite a while. Her body was preserved and sent to the Sydney University Medical School for the purposes of trying to figure out her identity. While they were trying to do so, they didn't want her to decay any further, um, so she was kept uh, preserved. Now, what relevance does this have to do with Linda Agostini? Well, let me explain to you. No, Tom, tell me. (laughs) About a week before the pajama girl's body was discovered, Linda's friends and family reported Linda missing in August 1934. Antonio, when questioned, said that Linda had left him and left the relationship. It was proposed that the body of the pajama Girl could potentially correlate to Linda's disappearance. As coroners were unable to distinguish an identity, there were attempts made to try and match Linda to the body that was found. Mm -hmm. However, this due to dental records, they found no link between her and the pajama girl, the corpse that was found. That was until 10 years later in 1944. There, it turns out there was, there were some pretty severe errors within the dental record, proving them to be completely inaccurate. As Linda was still missing in 1944, new records remain, and they were finally able to identify that the pajama girl was Linda Agostini. now, Antonio had only recently returned back to Sydney during this time. This is a very weird sort of tangent that I'm going to go on to. But during the 10 years between the Pajama Girl's discovery and the link to Linda, Antonio had moved from Perth in 1936 and in January 1938 moved back to Sydney. From 1940 to 1944, he'd spent a lot of his time in internment camps run at Orange, Hay and Loveday. And he was eventually released in february nineteen ninety four uh, sorry nineteen forty four and returned to Romanos as a waiter. A quick little side deep dive I did into internment camps because i just i wasn 't too familiar mm. um, and this all comes from the n a a the National Archives of Australia. During World War I and World War II, Australia held both prisoners of war and internees. Prisoners of war were generally captured members of any enemy military forces or those who had surrendered, and internees were mostly immigrants from countries that Australia was at war with. So most were civilian men, but some women and children were also interned. Internees were held in camps all around Australia and were often in remote locations. People were in turn based solely on their nationality even if they'd done nothing wrong or had no connection with the country's military. So Antonio was one of these men. Mm -hmm. He, being from Italy and being sympathetic towards Italy's cause, was taken into an internment camp. So with the outbreak of World War II happening, there were concerns in Australia about the German fifth columnists. By 1941 and 1942, many Australians um, of the government feared that a Japanese invasion was coming. As the war continued, many Japanese people were interned. Germans and Italians were also interned because of their nationality and particularly those who were living in Northern Australia. Around 20% of all Italians living in Australia at the time were interned.
0: Jesus.
1: 20%. One of those was Antonio, as I said. At the peak of the war, Australia held more than 12,000 people in internment camps. They were overseen by the army and they were run like military camps. Uh, used in uh, reused buildings such as the old jails in Burima and Trial Bay in New South Wales. And the government released many internees before the, the war ended, but by the time the wars ended, they had to release everybody. Mm. That was sort of it. Um, others could leave the camp when the fighting stopped. Internees from Britain or Europe could stay in Australia. Most Japanese internees, including some who were born in Australia, were sent back to Japan.
0: Jesus.
1: Even if they were born in Australia. And this wasn't exclusive to Japan. It was Italians, Germans.
0: I mean, I can't say I'm surprised.
1: Yeah. A final little side note on where he was during this 10-year mm. gap. So we now enter in a new character to the story, William McKay. He was the police commissioner at the time that this new discovery was made in 1944. He actually knew of Antonio before the war had started because... He- when he frequented the restaurant that Antonio worked at mm-hmm. as a waiter, Romanos. McKay was the only one to was one uh, was the actual the actual police officer to interview Antonio about his wife. And instantly during the interview he notices that Antonio's acting strange, very nervous and scared. When he questions him on his behaviour, Antonio simply confesses to killing his wife, Linda. Straight up. Completely confesses. According to Antonio, he had accidentally shot his wife during an altercation when they were living in Melbourne. In fear of being arrested for a murder, Antonio drove her body over the Victorian state border into Albury, New South Wales, and dumped the body into the culvert that she was discovered in. He then poured petrol over her body and set her on fire in an attempt to destroy evidence, which very nearly worked for him, evidently. During the time of the pyjama case, the mystery was one of the largest and most notorious in the countries. As such, in the 10 years that the case ran cold, put the police under the magnifying glass, with the whole country upset over the failure and subsequent blunder in identifying who the pyjama girl was. Mm. As such, there were many doubts to the legitimacy of Antonio's confessions.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So... Some have theorized that his conversion comes as a result of police corruption and a miscarriage of justice. Notably, historian Richard Evans, in his 2004 book, The Pajama Girl Mystery, A True Story of Murder, he points out that there are many discrepancies between the features of the pajama girl and Linda Augustini, including, and not limited to, her eye color, bust size, and nose shape. Apparently... Linda had blue eyes and the pajama girl had brown eyes. So okay. there are these, a lot of these big
0: indiscrepancy. little
1: indiscrepancies. You're like, wait, hang on a minute. Something's not right here. Mm. Either way, though, Antonio Agostini was arrested for the murder of Linda Agostini. And for most people, this was just the natural conclusion to the elusive pajama girl mystery. Antonio was charged with the murder and he was extradited back to Melbourne and tried for the murder of Linda Agassini, his wife. He was acquitted eventually, but was found guilty of manslaughter um, and was instead sentenced to six years imprisonment with hard labor to the Pentridge Jail. Upon his release, he was deported back to Italy on the 21st of August in 1948, where he married a widow, Giuseppina Gassini, in December 1952 in Cagliari, Sardinia, and remained there until his death in 1969. Linda was given a funeral at state expense and was buried in Preston Cemetery on 13th of July 1944, which I believe she's still at.
0: Hmm.
1: So if there is that book, there are many other theories as well as to whether or not Antonio was the man to do so.
0: Yeah, well, that's a big eye. The, the eye colour is a bit different.
1: As the police commissioner was the only one to question him or to interview him and get a confession mm. out of him, that I can see it does hold some weight that something could have happened. Yeah, Given that at the time, too, this was the most notorious mystery in Australia – and it made the police look like fucking morons Mm. the idea that like there's this woman who just they have no idea how or have any idea of how to narrow it down you know usually you have like witnesses coming forward saying this and that and they have um some sort of way to like Find prime suspects. Yeah. Right? They had nothing, basically. They had witnesses coming forward saying that they believed it was Linda. And they didn't really get anything out of it. Or at least, from what I can see, yeah. didn't get anything out of it. Or maybe didn't even try. And so, consequently, it is plausible that 10 years later, maybe, mm. they found something that they could use to, you know... Pin it all on Antonio.
0: Very interesting.
1: It does hold some weight. I don't necessarily agree with it completely, because it is like that ten year gap thing. You're like, yeah, that's I a, don't know. That's a long time.
0: Did um, did it? Did you read anything that said whether he like did he die in prison or
1: no? He he got um he got uh, deported back to Italy. Oh, okay. Like he, he got deported back to Cagliari in Sardinia. Sardinia. Um, which is in Italy. And he gotcha. died there in nineteen sixty nine. He got he got remarried.
0: Oh yeah, um, you did sail yeah, that. I did sell that,
1: yeah. So <laughs> Just,
0: my brain's restarting.
1: Um, but he only spent six years in prison for the manslaughter and I'm using quotation marks, manslaughter right. yeah. of his wife. Um because I don't know how often you shoot someone accidentally, accidentally. in the neck. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I'm sure Oscar Pistorius would have some things to yeah.
1: say about it. <laughs> Oscar Pistorius, Pistorius is looking at this case going, I fucking knew it. <laughs> see, um, it can happen. Yeah, it can, can happen, happen. See? Except this time, I guess she wasn't behind a closed door with that protecting her. Anyway, um, that's a case for another day, I guess.
0: We should do that Potentially, yeah. That's a very interesting one.
1: This one was very interesting because it was a cold case for 10 years. Mm. And then
0: just to get randomly kind of solved out of the blue. Yeah,
1: seemingly it it took someone looking at dental records and saying, "Hang on.
0: Something about this
1: Yeah, this isn't right." It's not
0: really stacking up for me.
1: Yeah. I I couldn't find much about the eye color thing. Yeah. You know, being a case from the 1930s and then resolved in the 40s. Mm. It's hard to find much on it. Yeah. Um what I could find was all that what that
0: that, no, it was or, good. that
1: historian had written about his...
0: Very good import. case, Tama.
1: It would be an interesting book to check out. I might have to check it out now because I've done this case and I would recommend you guys checking it out as well. Um,
0: we love to read. Yeah,
1: we do like to read. However, there, there is potential that what he's saying is complete bullshit because there are many books out there yeah. like on cases that you're like, this isn't true. Yeah, How did you get this approved? Yeah,
0: you're just like... Yeah, Some publisher was like, yeah, we'll we'll take your money. What?
1: Yeah. I beg your pardon? What? Anyway, thank you guys for joining us for the episode. This is, We have now concluded our cases. We the kind
0: formal of, part of the show. We
1: sort of fluff on for a little bit and we may do so for a couple more minutes. So if you don't like that, you're just here for the cases. Thank you guys for joining. We'll, we'll check catch you out you next week. Next week. Uh, however, if you're a cool cat and or kitten like us and you like to fluff on and... Listen to us. Welcome. Just talk shit. Welcome.
0: How's your week been?
1: It's been okay. I haven't been sleeping very well. Yeah, I know. Um it's been it's been fun. It's been a journey.
0: I feel very like I don't know what day it is cuz I had 5 days off in a row, which always really just
1: Yeah, that'll do it to
0: discombobulate yeah. me. Now I'm like, wait, it's Choose like what? It's, it's like coming back from Wednesday. a holiday. Yeah, and
1: you're like, I don't. I mean, which seems foreign at this point, to be honest. Yeah,
0: what's a holiday? <laughs> yeah. Although um, maybe soon.
1: Fingers crossed. Maybe it's looking soon. pretty soon.
0: Also, to everyone listening, which is I don't know why I just said that because it's literally, if they're listening, then of course they're listening. Um, I don't know. I'm losing my mind. You are.
1: You- Really We are.
0: keep an eye out because there may be some exciting things happening in the next few yeah, weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, we got some stuff cooking up. We're working on a few things, so
0: we just have to work out the logistics of everything. Yeah,
1: so check out our socials for updates. Uh, I'm sure we'll have something soon to show you guys. Mm. Um, it's very exciting. We're hope we're looking at. It's like the next step for our show. Yeah, basically. we just have to
0: work out. It's just a, it's a scheduling and logistic thing. Yeah. is the problem because yeah. we will be able to do things in 2 weeks time so we also have to keep that in mind and not overpack our schedule yeah. with things and then because, be like, "Oh yeah. shit, I actually have to leave the house now." Yeah,
1: which is scary and going to be hard to adjust to. So it it will be difficult, but we'll just sort of take it slow. We'll
0: get there. Yeah, we'll get we'll there. We'll get there. You
1: guys will see when it happens.
0: Um in uh smut talk for this week, if anyone's interested. <laughs> um, there's probably like three people to care about this. I started a new book. Um, I do really like it. It's really good plot. Um, but there's just you know, I read like four hundred and something pages for one kiss. I didn't sign up for this PG crap. Christian Smart. Uh Christian Smart. <laughs> no, it's um oh. called Throne of Glass God. by Sarah J. Mass, Mass, and it's really good i the next
1: one. Sorry to interrupt your smart talk. I think you're done anyway, so it doesn't matter. I need to tell you. I, I've told you briefly. I need to tell everyone oh, do listening. We, no. We do. No. We do. I really
0: don't think we need to talk about this. We
1: do. We need to talk about I this. I know
0: exactly what you're going to talk
1: about. I recently learned. What
0: if there's people who are from that?
1: I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying I recently learned about it. Okay. As, Please,
0: look, can I just put a disclaimer? Please don't cancel us for what time was about to talk no, no, about. No, no,
1: okay, look, so I'm not I'm not poking fun at anyone. I'm not this is not disingenuous at all. I just recently learned about this and I had no idea it was it was a thing.
0: I still don't believe it's a real thing.
1: I, I didn't know it was a real thing and quite frankly it's just fascinating. Now, let me just preface this, not attacking anyone at all. I recently learnt about a phenomenon called soaking and jump humping. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what soaking and jump humping is, soaking is placing a penis inside a vagina and just leaving it there. Which apparently, in some facets of, I believe, Mormons and Christians, it is a religious way and a very safe way of having sex concessional sex and in no way def- defers your religious beliefs now you're thinking that's not quite stimulating enough how do you improve on that in a very, in, the, in a safe way well that's where jump humping comes. You're in. you're
0: talking about this
1: jump humping is where you get a third person a friend maybe a, a roommate or a neighbour and they, they jump on the bed next to you to create friction between the two people who are currently soaking.
0: This is, this is not real. I, don't, I refuse to believe this is real. If
1: you are someone who is Mormon or highly religious and you've heard of this, please let us know. Can you because confirm
0: if it's true? Confirm because
1: if it's true because it is amazing.
0: I mean, Tom and I are creatures of the internet, so we do understand that not everything you see on the internet is true.
1: No. But if it is,
0: that's, that's incredible. kind of, yeah.
1: The, the ingenuity of some people.
0: I just... So uncomfortable for all parties involved.
1: Now, look, when you've got to make do with what, you know... I
0: don't, I, I don't know out of the three people what would be the more uncomfortable... Cause put it this way, you've got you've got someone, whether it's the male or the female, who just came to to do what they could do within the boundaries of their, of their religion, religious yeah. beliefs. Right. Then you've got the person who also came to be involved and bought the friend. And then you've got the friend. So you've got a complete third wheel who's just like i just came here to like dip my toe in the water i didn't sign up for this and then you've got someone who has to watch their friend bounce on a bed next to them whilst they're having sex and then you've got the friend who is bouncing on a bed next like i don't know which one of those things is worse like i really
1: it's the levels of like i want to have sex but, but... that's just 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 have sex.
0: Or just wait. Like, it's really the, the in between that it really just doesn't seem worth it for anyone involved. Like, look, at the end of the day, you do you, boo, whatever brings you bliss, as long as you're not killing or hurting anyone, I'm okay with it. But, you know, there are choices you make in life, and that's a choice. That's a choice. That's a choice.
1: That's a choice. Anyway, that is just Tatiana something. would say. That's something that I learned this week. That I felt I just needed to share, so we can probably get someone to to inform us if this is a real. Yeah, thing if
0: or it's though. if you know it's true, please let us know. In yeah. other news, let's talk about more important things like Drag Race. Yeah, Drag Race UK started Great this, segue. this week. Segway.
1: You jumped jump humps right out of that that topic. Like
0: I tried. Who do we who do we like so far?
1: Um, everyone loves Teresa. Teresa. Everyone loves she's her. She's hilarious. Everyone loves her. She I is, really
0: liked Victoria. It's really nice, like seeing a fab queen. Yeah. Get uh, like
1: it, she's also um,
0: she's queer. As she's well. queer as yeah. well.
1: So there's that facet of as well. It's like it's not just. I think it's interesting because we're seeing um, you've seen I can't remember Scary Cat, um, mm-hmm. who was a I Straight. believe a, 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 I think they were bisexual. Oh, were they? Um, I believe at least um they didn't. Have a strict sexuality mm. in the terms of being straight. Yeah. Um, they did have a girlfriend, but they, I don't think they're exclusively yeah, straight. Is,
0: it is interesting because, like, obviously, Drag Race as a show is now very much a mainstream thing. But yeah. I guess the environment within the actual yeah. filming of Drag Race is obviously a very safe space for people from the queer community. So it is interesting, like, thinking about is it maybe not the place for queens who are not from the queer community does being a queen like does doing drag automatically include you in the queer community. It's a really interesting conversation. I kind of
1: liken it to taking the rap movement of the eighties into the nineties and the early two thousands where you saw
0: white people, white people and
1: people who weren't African-Americans dabbling into rap and becoming rap stars. Yeah. And it was a sort of controversial issue. It was the same thing with jazz, with blues, with, you know, Well, rock. I guess that
0: is still... that. That's actually a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you do obviously have white people who make a shit ton of money doing rap. But yeah. then you have people of colour within the rap community who are still marginalised and oppressed. And yeah. it's like, you've just taken this thing that was theirs... And you made fucking money off it.
1: That's why people talk all about it all the time, but you got to respect the people that paved the way yeah. for what it is now. That's why when you talk about blues, when you talk about R&B, rhythm and blues, when you talk about rock and roll, this all started because African-Americans created genres. They created fucking jazz. They created literal things and facets that we use today came from the yeah. backbones of these people that... Now you know it, it's an ethical question of why people are now utilizing that to yeah. get extremely famous and and make money, and it is a bit of like a. I think as long as you are realizing where it comes from, and acknowledging those who came before you, and giving credit to those in your community and during your kind of era, who are you know. Yeah,
0: I think it's a very interesting um line. It is. To, yeah, I saw this. Uh, really, really interesting video on TikTok the other day that was talking about, because there's a big thing within the spirituality and, like, witch community of cultural appropriation of closed practices. So, for example, like, hoodoo and voodoo are closed witchcraft practices from people of colour. Okay. Um, and you get a lot of white practitioners who want to take practices from these um closed cultures and you're like you you can't do that you You can't can't just pick pick and choose and um the woman's name is uh lady speech uh senkofa she's really cool she talks about a lot of um uh cultural and racial issues in general but i like the fact that she goes into like the witchcraft and the spiritual community and she was talking about how white people will want to take bits and pieces from other cultures because, quote, white isn't a culture. Yeah. Like someone who is of Irish descent, someone who is of Celtic descent, that's a culture. Yes. But we as white people have so just like removed ourselves from that so our cultural moniker is we are white. Yeah. Like which I think is really interesting for you because you obviously have very strong connections to your um, New Zealand Maori heritage mm. and you're very – you you love researching it and you, it's very special to you. But someone like me, I actually have no idea yeah. my ancestry and it actually made me want to do some proper research into to where I'm out, actually yeah. from because it is like it is really true that you don't really have roots in terms of knowing where you come from, which I think yeah. is what then lends itself to a lot of like – Cultural appropriation because you just don't yeah. know who you like. Not that I'm trying to say it um justifies any of it, but it was a really interesting take from her because she's obviously um a POC within the witchcraft community. So mm. I think a lot of her um takes on things are really interesting.
1: <laughs> it's what kind of annoys me about people who talk about uh, like Australian culture or
0: there is no fucking Australian or like culture. American
1: culture or like. Basically colonized lands culture. Yeah,
0: unless you're talking about indigenous people, there's no Australian culture. Your
1: culture, if you're talking about you know, white Australian culture, you're talking about Pakiau, you're talking about white New Zealand culture, you're talking about hundreds of years, right? Mm. You're talking about hundreds of years compared to hundreds of thousands to millions of years of culture
0: mm. that have developed
1: different. over like hundreds of generations of people who have been here... Before like civilization was even what we know it. Mm. So your idea of what culture is in Australia, or New Zealand, or, or America—it's yeah. fair enough if you like you enjoy things that are generically Australian. But to say like the Australian flag or the um what ties us to colonization, what ties us to the United Kingdom in our know, flag and whatever—that's part of our Australian culture. Mm. That to me is pathetic. I don't think that is a culture. That's yeah. something that we, we're, we're born knowing that has been around for a couple hundred years. Yeah. What, you're, what, we, what Australian culture is to me is the indigenous Australians that came before us in this land Yeah. who have hundreds of different languages, who have hundreds of thousands of different cultural facets that are just so interesting and could be utilized more that aren't.
0: Yeah, it's it's really sad that none of it's really taught aside from like they do like an obligatory few sessions in primary school. But they're yeah. like, this is what the dream time is, and you're like, cool. But there's so much more than even that. Like, just, let's talk about colonization. Let's not talk yeah. about Captain Cook as well, like. But a, even <laughs> just
1: like talking about how in Indigenous Australians they have such a interesting acceptance of the LGBT community. Mm. Like there are. And it's the same thing with Maori and with Samoans. There are, um, and it's not like this isn't a generalization of that yeah. because there are like, as with any group of any type, there is always going to be oppression. But within the Indigenous Australian community, uh, people and with Maldis and Samoans, there are, um, like I think with Indigenous Australians, it's, uh, Sister Boy and, um, uh, a sister girl and brother brother boy, I think, where in maori it's um in, in Samoa it's uh Fafafine and maori it's Fafafine, which are people who are born either uh a man but they're raised up as women, like in these cultures you have
0: yeah there are this idea kind of, yeah. of like
1: identity and gender roles sort of not really being a thing and sexuality being not what we have created it to be in Western society.
0: Yeah. How boring, honestly, like out of all the ways, that's my thing. When people are like, there's only two genders. I'm like, how fucking boring.
1: You haven't, you can't decide that. You can't decide that in your hundreds of years of, of, of colonization in a country and saying that's the way it is in literally these cultures. It's been much more complex than that for fucking hundreds of thousands of years. Mm. You can't just say there's two genders.
0: But, like, it's just, that's what, like, it gets me. I'm like, how uncreative are you that you can only imagine, like, how small, how boring your life must be? Anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: um, But, yeah, it made me me want to, like, because I know that my family is from England, but I think that only goes back five generations to Cornwall in England. And I would really love to know how far back, like, my ancestry goes and where, like, my roots are because I would yeah. genuinely love to do more research into the cultural practices of, like, where I'm actually, quote, from. So- I think everyone just
1: wants their identity and I think that's why um me being, like, me being my dad's side of the family, being Māori and my mum's side, Maltese, I have a strong connection to my Maori heritage and my culture from New Zealand. Mm. I think that's why um, people like myself get so engrossed in it is because we need identity. And having that culture not define us but to be a part of us is so important, especially with indigenous cultures. It's so important to have that identity being young adults and being children, to have that cultural identity growing up, you need that, especially from an Indigenous community. Mm. It's so fucking important because this is stuff that comes hundreds of thousands of years before In the making. we can even yeah. really think of, you know. Um, and it all plays into spirituality as well, connectedness and...
0: Sorry, you keep going. No, you keep going. You're right. I was just going to say, you know, what's really interesting is I've noticed a pattern with this show where we tend to, we'll have one week where we just somehow naturally fall into a super serious conversation and then the next week we'll just like talk. I think we just did it, yeah. shit. Yeah. (laughs) Although we did a little bit of both in this one, I will say. We talked about jump, what, what, jump hopping?
1: Jump hop, uh, uh, jump humping.
0: Jump humping. Yeah. And fairy smart. Yeah. And cultural identity. Yeah. So I think we did well. We're just I think really long story short
1: on cultural identity. Uh it is very cool to see different parts of the LGBT community within the drag race atmosphere. Yes,
0: that was um that was a really long tangent we went on. But, but yeah, it, it is it's very cool seeing the representation within like the trans community yeah, and, exactly. and just different facets of the drag yeah, community. You're
1: like got Mick. Um you yeah. have queens that have been on, you know, earlier seasons, um, like uh Kylie.
0: Laganja um,
1: Laganja, you have these queens that have appeared on the show as just gay men who have now trans- transitioned into the gender that they have always mm. been. And it's amazing to see that it, and it's it, it's such an interesting thing because drag race and especially drag itself, you look at it and you think that it could it would it's potentially like very uh, secluded to just the gay community. But I think in, like, especially recent years, that has, like, expanded as the movement grows and that more kind of groups within the LGBT community are accepting of others mm. and the general public and just the where we're at the moment. We're sort of accepting, more accepting of letting people be who the fuck they want to be. Yeah, It's cool to see that in especially this, you know.
0: And on that note just segueing again yes. into a lesson i learned this week talk to your friends about politics and religion because i have a friend who for years i have just assumed that she was christian i found out this week that she's not and for years we could have been talking shit about tarot and crystals and witchy stuff and i've just never brought it up or never talked to her about it cuz i assumed she was christian and she's not and right. i'm like dude we we've lost so much time <laughs>
1: We have to make up for this now.
0: So, you know, talk to your friends about politics and religion. It doesn't always have to be some hectic, crazy yeah. conversation.
1: Well, I think even if like say for example your friend was Christian and they're not really into that, I think just knowing that they're not into it and you have that, you know, yeah, well that it's just being respectful your... yeah, exactly. at that point. Like you can you just find out like you these things you find out, I don't think just don't be scared to talk about things with your mm. friends. Like if there is that you know, that that bridging gap, that border that separates you from your friends. Yeah. That's okay. But like just figure it out and find a place where you're comfortable. Yeah. With you.
0: Ask the questions. Yeah. Cuz you might find out something you didn't know like I did this week. Yeah. That might forge a whole new path of conversation that you never realized was there.
1: Cuz I think for the most part even if you you and your friends or another another individual you know have differing thoughts and opinions on things, I think if you can find some way to educate each other mm. and to find a common ground and to at least say your piece. Yeah, that's. Worth and I so do much think more. that's
0: something that I do struggle with. I get quite hot headed. Yeah. Um, which is you know that's just who I am as a you're person. i working, about the on, it. That I'm working you're passionate on it. I'm working on it. I just sometimes when it's my way or the highway, yeah. it's my way or no way. You die.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: and sometimes I need to chill out a little bit. Yeah but you know we're growing we're working on it yeah
1: it just it comes it all comes from passion and and anyone like that even if they're misguided it all comes from some sort of form of yeah passion or something that they're they're very you know believing in like for you it comes from a passion of wanting to protect animals and protect Mm. people who have been you know segregated their entire lives and disregarded and come from you know broken homes you just want to help people and yeah when it, and for the most part that is what people like as well you know they just want to help um and it just it's just a matter of talking to people and educating them and you know mm. guiding that anger in the right direction
0: yeah good stuff yeah do we have anything else to talk about
1: uh i not i have no topics no i think we covered a I've lot i've covered jump humping so i'm happy i'm satisfied
0: i can't believe you pull that up
1: i can I believe i brought it up oh, the code word for this week is soaking
0: no it's not <laughs> it's absolutely not the code word for this week is don't listen to Tama. the code work the co- i can't speak now you've, coke work. you've scarred me it's soaking the code word for this week is wine glass
1: okay but also, send Sokin no, and I'll don't. give you a personalized thank you.
0: No, he won't. I won't let him. Okay. I'll change the password to all the social accounts so Damn. we can't get in. No, but someone actually asked me last week. She was like, I was really surprised after all the talk about pooping, you didn't say a code word that had to do with pooping. I was like, look, to be honest, 90% of the time the code word is I've just looked around the room yeah. and found something.
1: Like, guess what's in front of Laura right now? Yeah, yeah the code word. That's and right.
0: last week it was my water bottle, which yeah. is why I said thirsty. Yeah. So, it is you what
1: know, it is. it is what it, it is. It is what it is. This show is so not The code organized. word is soaking. It's- Send that in to on anywhere on our socials. We are the BSC podcast. Is that where we are?
0: I don't know if I want to confirm it now. I can't remember that.
1: Um, wow. The BSC podcast. Yes. yes.
0: You're a bad podcaster.
1: Um, I, I mean, look. I'm busy being a podcaster. I can't think of these things off the top of my head. Really? We're the BSC Podcast and all things social. That includes Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. We don't really use Twitter, so just message us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Check out our our TikTok because we have a bunch of cool videos on TikTok that I spent days working on, Mm. and I need you to appreciate them.
0: We would really like another video to go viral. Please. So if you all could like and yep. share and comment, just interact. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to pretend I know how the For You page works because we had a video that was up for like two weeks before it popped off. So yeah. who knows, honestly. But, you know, do the damn thing because we would like to quit our jobs.
1: Just just check it out. Stay tuned on our socials. We have some cool updates and announcements cool coming out coming sometime out. soon. And I think we should just end it there.
0: Yeah, we'll catch you next week.
1: Yeah, Cobo is Soaking.
0: Code word is wine cup. Don't listen to karma. Okay, bye.
1: Bye. Soaking.